Hey folks, let's spend some time with friends up north. Pat Kreitlow of Up North News is on Lake Wissota. Kristen Bry of Asgos, Wisconsin is along Lake Michigan. And up on Lake Minocqua is Kirk Bankstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. Wherever you are, welcome, because you're up north. Welcome to the cabin. You have made it up north. Nice to have you here. I'm Pat Kreitlow, managing editor of Up North News, WI.com. And I'm Kirk Bankstead of the Minocqua Brewing Company. And in our uh, virtual waiting room, our green room here is Representative Jody Emerson of Eau Claire, who will be joining us in just a little bit. But first, we want to tell you that this is our uh, first week without Kristen Bryabasgos, Wisconsin. But I'm pretty happy for the reason why this is, because she's at a, a previously scheduled event uh, that, that includes somebody known as the Washington Post TikTok guy. So if you're familiar with viral videos in, in any way, shape, or form, you know that Washington Post TikTok guy does these great short funny videos about the news. Well, Kristen is basically Wisconsin TikTok woman. So for her to be doing something with Washington Post TikTok guy is a, you know, pretty nice gig. So we'll look forward to talking to her next week about that. Uh, we should also note that if you are catching the video version of our podcast, you might notice I'm not along Lake Wasota today because I'm not. Up North News does have a state capital bureau, even though we haven't used it very much for the past 12 months <laughs> and yet have been paying rent. Um, but I'm working out of there this midweek. And so um, we are broadcasting thanks to Devil Radio News Talk 92.7 for letting us use their studio so that we can keep the show going, whether we are on the lake or holding people in power accountable while in Madison, Kirk. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be back on our lakes in, in, in due course. Besides, yeah. the weather hasn't been good for lakes this time. <laughs> Absolutely. What I, I heard somebody got uh, trying to fly into Madison yesterday and it was grounded because of the snow. <laughs> like, what's going on? <laughs> I, I drove down uh, and, you know, the, the the roads around Eau Claire were basically an ice rink. Uh, so I that that part I didn't miss about from my time in the legislature was all the, the driving back and forth when the roads weren't all that great. But joining us is somebody who has to make that drive, uh, unfortunately for her, but fortunately for us, because she represents the 91st Assembly District uh, from Eau Claire out in Western Wisconsin, State Representative Jody Emerson is here. Jody, nice to see you. Nice to see you as well, Pat. Hey, Kirk. Hey, hey. So glad you're here. I, I didn't know who the guest was tonight. I knew it was an assembly person, but I didn't know you were coming from Eau Claire. So I'm glad we got the, the up north representation still rocking. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, so we're going to talk to her about uh, several different uh, areas about the legislature, ways that they uh, affect life up north, including uh, infrastructure. Uh, later on, we're going to talk about, you know, decriminalizing marijuana with Up North News reporter Jonathan Sadowski. Um, but we, we also want to talk about how there is a new candidate for U.S. Senate. And so there are now four Democrats uh, running for U.S. Senate for the seat held by Ron Johnson. Um, and so Representative Emerson is here. Uh, there's, some people are making endorsements, some are not. But uh, Jody, you you know of Sarah Godlewski. So, you know, I, I thought we'd pick your brain first and, and see what your impressions are of her because we've talked already about Tom Nelson. He's, uh, I served with him in the legislature, Outagamie County Executive, Alex Lazary from the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, Jillian Bettina from Wausau, we haven't really talked about yet. What are your impressions of Sarah Godlewski, the state treasurer? Well 
Sarah um, and I have been friends for a while. She's an Eau Claire native. We both went to the same high schools, although very different years, I might add. Oh, wow. um, but <laughs> <laughs> she was much more recent than I was. Let's okay, just leave it good, at that. Good so, All right. <laughs> um, you know, and, and Sarah is one of these people I would consider a very good friend. Um, she has been a, a good partner um, for legislation. She's good to bounce ideas off of. Um, and, you know, from a personal aspect, I'm just, I'm so thrilled that my friend Sarah is running, um, you know, being from Eau Claire, having a woman in the race that's won a statewide election already, um, I'm, I'm thrilled, so. And I'm going to say this about uh, Sarah and and Tom, Alex, Jillian, and I'm I'm positive there will be other candidates in the race. But you know, I worked with my friend Dana Walks when he was running for governor when there were 74 people you know running in the Democratic primary. We're going to have a big <laughs> one this time around, and part of the reason Democrats won in 2018 and and kicked Scott Walker out of the governor's mansion is that you know that large primary field basically played well with each other. They, they kept it on ideas. There was very little sniping there was very little, you know, mudslinging or whatever. And, and certainly from the, the cast of characters in here right now, Jody, I, I sense we're probably going to have again a primary that's mostly focused on the issues and, and what they see as the, the problem with Ron Johnson. Yeah, I mean, there's, there's pluses and minuses to having a, a busy primary. Um, the plus is that you've got more people talking about, in this case, democratic ideals, how we can, um, you know, do good with that seat versus doing evil, which is what he's doing right now. Um, the downside and from being involved in, in one of the governor races that year, um, you know, there's, there's a limited pot of funds to go around and, and that can be the detriment of some really, really good candidates. So, um, you know, the, the main thing is that we get Ron Johnson um, out of that office um, or who, if he's not gonna run and he seems to not be able to decide one way or the other, um, you know, that we don't fill him that position with another Republican, that we fill it with another Democrat, um, having more candidates spreading the, the knowledge of what a Democrat can do in that position around the state is really helpful, so. Okay. Well, you know, we're going to do a, a little legislative catch up while we got you here. Uh, Eric, what, what's been especially noteworthy to you is what's been, what's being done with, uh, you know, potential changes in election law. That, that one kind of sticks in your craw, doesn't it? Yeah. So, you know, Jody, I'm, I'm stuck on this gerrymandering thing. And I, I, I really am focused with the super PAC on uh, just making it making it fair uh, in Wisconsin and and keeping elections fair and keeping politics as what I say is clean as our lakes and streams <laughs> up north and um, obviously they're not right now so the thing that really messes with me is the uh, you know these 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 slate of election laws that I probably Alec or you know these Republican groups nationwide are just kind of like copying and pasting with every single state uh, in America and so I I don't know exactly which ones are getting into Wisconsin I'm in, because you're you know you're there all the time I'm hoping you can kind of get you know update us on what are the real voter suppression laws that are that are that we're facing right now or bills that yeah. we're facing right now yeah so um, I'm actually on the campaigns and election committee and we had a hearing today. Um, so far this year, we've really been focused on this witch hunt investigation against Green Bay, um, you know, that has just taken up way too much time to find absolutely nothing. 
Um, but the bills that we're seeing right now are more specifically to deal with some of the issues that came up in the 2020 election, um, whether it's absentee ballots, drop boxes, different things like that. Um, there was one that we heard today about private grants. Um, you know, they don't want to have anybody other, and by they, I mean the Republican Party or really ALEC, um, you know, funding any sort of election at all. However, um, when they control the purse strings of the state and tie the local purse strings so that people can't raise, um, you know, taxes on the local level, um, they're also not funding the elections. And so when there's an emergency that comes out like COVID, where we need to get more people and PPE and, you know, plexiglass barriers and things like that, they also weren't willing to fund it. So I don't blame these cities for getting some of these grants. Um, and, but there's also other things in this bill that is like, you can't have somebody who works at, um, various nonprofits being an election worker. Um, however, we haven't seen the big slate of election suppression or voter suppression laws that have gone through Georgia and Texas and some other states. Um, you know, and, and those are, you're right, Kirk, they're absolutely cut and paste from, you know, the ALEC playbook. And we should and explain, one of these ALEC is the American Legislative Exchange Council, I believe, which is a, a right-wing group that just, that does this, that uh, presents these, this cookie-cutter legislation, and, and legislators uh, will work on that rather than the ideas that their constituents bring to them. You, when you wonder, why are some of these issues, whether it's uh, decriminalizing marijuana or gun safety or getting rid of gerrymandering, these all have like 70% support. Why aren't legislators working on that? Because they have these bills from ALEC that, you know, their big donors want them to work on. And that's why it's taking up all your time, Jody, in, in committees where it, it, it's not like Governor Evers is going to sign any of these bills. Exactly. And, and he is our stopgap between this and absolute voter suppression. Um, and in the way that I look at some of these bills that are coming before us is, do we want more people voting in elections and making it easier for people to vote in various ways. As the pandemic showed us, um, you know, not everybody comes from a place where they feel comfortable going out for various reasons. And, and what are the different ways that we can get people voting? And the Republican Party seems to look at it are, as, what are the most ways that I can exclude people from voting? <laughs> and, and that's, I think, really where if we were going to split the parties down the middle, that's a clear um, suppression piece. And, um, you know, it's just so frustrating because, I, you know, our democracy is run on one person, one vote. And what can we do Wait, to have every one person dollar, vote? One vote? I, I thought it was Citizens United, you know, told us so, otherwise. So I just, so, I mean, I know that like half of America and half of Wisconsin listens to a different set of news than the other half. You know, it just, you can tell by, you know, what you read on Facebook, but I just can't understand how the other side can spin this and make people believe it, you know, that we, that we shouldn't let whoever we shouldn't make voting easier how do they spin it and make their side believe that this is what we should be doing i just don't understand i don't either i like if i could get into their heads i don't know if i would want to and i'm just gonna leave it at that it, it really <laughs> is just about look the, they know what i used to say as a candidate all the time to, to try to help gin up voter turnout was you know they always vote 
you know, come hell or high water. But as we often see in midterm elections, which is also when we elect a governor in Wisconsin, a lot of folks who will vote in presidential elections don't show up in some of these others. And so the more they can suppress turnout, the more they can sow doubt, you know, about elections, then the, the more likely they would win. Because when more people vote, Folks on the right tend not to win. Jody, in the, the time we got left, I really want to get to uh, the floor speech you made uh, in, in the assembly on Tuesday, because uh, you, you really hit on what I'd like to call uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss's haberdashery. Uh, which nobody uses anymore, but it's a hat store. And Robin Voss wants to wear a lot of hats, except the hat of a legislator, whether it's the hat of, of the governor or, or attorney general, or maybe he wants to run the DNR, or he wants to run the elections commission, or, or he wants to run school boards. Um, you, you basically called him out on that on Tuesday evening. You know, there's, Pat, you were in the legislature for a while. You know that there's some days that you just hold tight in your heart and make you smile a little bit. And there's other days where you wonder where the nearest brew pub is that's serving Kirk's beers. So, <laughs> but uh, yesterday was one of those days where, where I really enjoyed it. And so the bill that we were debating was a resolution directing Josh Call to enter a lawsuit, West Virginia versus Department of Revenue, I believe, um, where we can basically the, the ARPA dollars, the American Rescue Plan dollars, um, the legislature could spend in any way that they wanted to. And, and so I got up and did a floor speech and basically asked Robin Voss what he wants to be when he grows up, because it seemed like he wanted to be the attorney general. Um, if you want to be the attorney general, run for attorney general. If you want to be the governor, run for governor. But, you know, maybe you should do the job that your constituents, and I didn't say this on the floor, but wanted to, or your donors mm -hmm. um, have hired you to do. So, well, you <laughs> did call him out on that, and perhaps you need to hear that a few more times. State Representative Jody Emerson from Eau Claire, thank you for joining us on the Up North podcast. Great seeing you. And great, great seeing you too. All Way right. to go, Jody. <laughs> Kirk and I will be back in just a bit. You are up north. The Up North Podcast is a group endeavor of the individuals yapping at you right now, and uh, that's our cue to talk about our day jobs. Uh, first off, yours truly is the managing editor of an entirely separate entity called Up North News, a no-nonsense digital newsroom that tells you all about today's headlines and how they impact Wisconsin families and the things we value here. In an easy-to-understand style, Up North News explains how people in Madison and Washington are making decisions that help or hurt our Wisconsin hometowns. We hold the powerful accountable. We tell you what's working and what's not who's working and who's not. We live to expose misinformation, and there's a lot of it out there these days. At Up North News, we believe in democracy, the kind that works for all of us. We believe voters deserve to feel informed, not fatigued or overwhelmed. And we tell the stories of people, community, and happenings that make this state such a kick-ass place to live. You'll find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram by searching for Up North News WI. Don't forget the WI or our website, upnorthnewswi.com. Now, this is normally the part where Kristen tells you all the stuff she's doing over at Asgo's Wisconsin. Since she's off this week, we're just going to tell you, go watch her stuff. You'll like it. <laughs> you'll, laugh, you'll accidentally learn stuff, too. And last but not least, Kirk, what's new at Manaqua Brewing Company? 
All right. Uh, I want to talk about the Monaco Brewing Company and the Super Pack. So we we brew what I call progressive beer to celebrate our progressive roots in Wisconsin and to help raise money and awareness to stop corruption in Wisconsin politics and most specifically northern Wisconsin politics, which has been left uh, in the lurch uh, in the last few years. Five percent of the profits of our beer are donated to our Super Pack, which I like to call dark money meant for good. We spend money this week, or we spent money this week on radio ads in Hudson, Rhinelander, and Wausau, lambasting their Republican legislators that are screwing with federal food aid to hundreds of thousands of Wisconsinites. And we're spending about $30,000 right now to call voters up north and educate them on how gerrymandering is hurting our state. So if you'd like to support this effort, please buy our beer, buy my t-shirts, or donate straight to the Super PAC. You can find out how to do all that stuff by going to our website, www.manakwabrewingcompany.com. We also want to thank Devil Radio, News Talk 92.7, where we air live Wednesdays at 7 p.m. before weekend playback. And the Up North News, I'm sorry, the Up North podcast is made possible by Sitecast, a leading nationally recognized website solutions firm based in the Northwoods of Wisconsin. Because, hey, nerds live up north, too. Okay, so welcome back to the Up North podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead, and I am uh, coming to you from Lake Minocqua. Pat Kreitlow would be coming to you from Lake Wissota if he wasn't drinking too much beer in Madison, uh, probably after this show. And Kristen Bry is off this week. So, Pat, uh, you know, this is the Up North podcast, and we've been focusing on uh, state, state politics, but there's a lot of stuff going on up north right now, uh, some good and some not so good. So the first thing is... Uh, everybody, a lot of people I know um, are have just got done with what's called the sugar bush season, where they put a little spigot on a, on a maple tree when it's uh, when it's a sunny day during the day and when it's below freezing at night. Apparently, these maple trees just start spitting out sap and then they boil it up. They make taste it until it tastes like syrup, and then they filter kind of the bugs and the de detritus out of there and. I, I talked to a couple people today who were doing it, and it's such a family-friendly activity. Uh, folks from some of the tribes, the Flambeau tribes are doing it. Folks down in Wausau are going out in the woods and doing it, and it, it's such a wonderful thing. So, so look about that compared to the next season, uh, especially for the uh, tribes in the Flambeau and some of the other tribes. The one I'm closest to is Lactoflambeau. Uh, Spearfishing season is next, and so... Talk about a difference. Maple syrup, family friendly. These guys go spearfishing, and unfortunately, up north is not known for kind kindness towards the Native Americans when they're spearfishing. There's been some racism. Uh, there's uh, uh, last year there was a guy that shot at these guys who were fishing. Uh, this year there's people who have been arrested for uh, they were drunkenly uh, uh, harassing, uh, threatening uh, miners, uh, some Native American miners who were spearfishing. And so I just wanted to, you know, bring that to everybody's attention that that you know, these guys, uh, the DNR is a part of this spearfishing. Uh, the tribal council is a part of this spearfishing. Like they are so uh, regulated in terms of what they're allowed to take out uh, compared to anglers in Wisconsin. They take uh, way less fish than the sports anglers take. And I just wanted to, you know, kind of, you know, see if Pat wanted to chime in, but 
just wanted to give the uh, the tribes um, some some love because they're going through a tough time every every season right around this time they go through a tough time with some of this harassment and i think that people think well that's that's just part of life up north no it's not and no it should never be uh, these were rights that were were granted by treaty they have the force of law they are they are uh, you know, legal, they are within their rights, they are uh, helping to restock and take care of the resources. And so if anybody tells you, well, that's just part of living up north, no. That's the ugly side of some people who live up north, just as there are ugly people everywhere. And you know, th those folks don't have to be coddled. They don't have to be tolerated. Uh, they, they deserve every bit of exposure, derision, shame, or law enforcement activity as, you know, as possible. Because what really works up north is when everybody, uh, you know, respects each other, respects each other's rights, shares the land, you know, shares the rules. Uh, and in that way, you, you enjoy not only, you know, the fishing and well-stocked lakes, but you get to enjoy the, the, the stuff that you talked about earlier, the maple syrup that's yep. produced up here and all the other various, you know, goods and services. And that's what we want to get back to because, you know, Kirk, I, I, I've never tapped into a, a, a maple tree. I, I, I imagine that's something you'd you're probably more likely to do than I am just to find a new flavor of beer. Well, it's, it's just cool, you know, and that's what, that's what the up North is cool. Like yeah. it's relaxed. People go up there to have fun. Let's, let's get the negativity out of there. Let's get some yeah. of these bad politics and just, uh, you know, harassment and racial stuff out of here. It's not, it's not, it's not good for Wisconsin. It's not good up for up North. When we come back to the cabin, we'll discuss how it's uh, high time. Marijuana possession was decriminalized. You are up North. Welcome back to the Up North Podcast. I'm Kirk Bankstead. Uh, Pat Kreitlow joins me. Chris and Bry is off this week. Pat, what do we got going on next? Well, I think we're going to spend the next couple of minutes on pot in, in a manner of speaking. Um, <laughs> look, there's not a ton of things that, that get bipartisan support in the legislature, you know, at least, you know, topics that most people are, are familiar with. But marijuana reform has consistently been one of them. Uh, it's not that there's a consensus yet on making recreational pot legal. Uh, some folks only want to legalize, you know, medical marijuana, and, and that's a fair debate. But there does seem to be a consensus on decriminalizing marijuana possession, possession uh, at least for small amounts. And so we've asked reporter Jonathan Sadowski of Up North News, uh, you find him at upnorthnewswi.com, to tell us whether anything might get done in Madison this time around. Hello, Jonathan. Hi, thanks for having me. Hey, what uh, what do you mean by decriminalization? Uh, you know, as as opposed to legalization and recreational and medicinal. Tell us about decriminalization. What's in the bill that you reported on earlier this week? So th there's this bill that's actually been introduced for the past three consecutive uh, legislative sessions. Um, right now, it's being brought forward by Republican Representative Shea Sortwell of Two Rivers. And it would decriminalize up to 10 grams of marijuana. And that doesn't mean that it would legalize it, but it would turn it into a citation, like a, a, you know, a speeding ticket. Um, so it would be a $100 fine for up to 10 grams, whereas the current state law uh, is it's a criminal charge, a misdemeanor for any amount up and uh, punishable by six months in jail or a $1,000 fine. And, and Sortwell, you know, he, he, he agrees that this is something that most people in Wisconsin are, are ready to make a move on. Right. The most recent Marquette poll from uh, April 2019 that asked this question 
uh, there was 83% support for medical marijuana and 59% support for uh, recreational marijuana. So it's, it's something that has really broad bipartisan support in a 50-50 state, ostensibly. Jonathan, I got a question. Like, why are, why are we so late in Wisconsin to this game? Like, how many states, how many states have like complete legalization versus medical marijuana? Like, it's, I feel like we're way late to this game and we're surrounded by states that actually legalize it. Oh yeah, yeah, we're on an island. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, you've got uh, people drive across the border to Illinois. Uh, to get recreational pot because it's legal there. Uh, it's legal in Michigan as well. Um, Minnesota has medicinal marijuana. Um, is it is it possible that because our legislature refuses to meet very often, they're just not taking this up? I mean, <laughs> it's, it's just because they they just hate passing anything well, not, that might actually pass to make like the governor did. look like he's doing something as well. It's not like they didn't have the opportunity, Jonathan, you noted this, this is not the first session this has been introduced. Uh, yeah, right. And it's, it hasn't really, it hasn't gone anywhere. It's, it hasn't been brought to a vote. Um, probably, you know, that has to do with uh, assembly speaker, Robin Voss. He has for a few years said that he supports medical marijuana and yeah, right but the senate the former senate majority leader scott fitzgerald who's now in congress i mean he he was dead set against anything if, if i recall correctly yep yep correct and uh, i think it kind of remains to be seen where the new majority leader uh devin lemahue is kind of at in that regards i i reached out to actually both of their offices about this bill and didn't hear back um but you Go know figure right so but this time around, there there, yeah. there was a, a change that that uh, uh, that sort well put in, you know, hoping to attract at least some more Republican support. But it, it's going to cost some Democratic support, isn't it? Yeah, this time this bill had been introduced just as the straight up hundred dollar fine up to ten grams previously. But this time, uh, when he introduced it last session, it actually had no Republican support. Whereas when it had been introduced by uh, former state representative Adam Jarkow in the uh, the prior legislative session, there was some bipartisan support. But what Shea Sortwell did this time is he added a clause that says for any amounts under 10 grams, cities cannot set their own fine for that. It would be $100. And there are a few cities uh, like Milwaukee, Racine, Madison, and Eau Claire that have lower fines than that, uh, ranging from like a dollar to about $75 for uh, up to about 25 grams. So what this bill wouldn't do, though, with this new clause is actually uh, preempt that higher possession amount. So it could end up in a situation where it would be more uh, cost effective, say, in Milwaukee County to get caught with 24 grams than it would be to be uh, caught with one gram. So it's got that kind of wonky language built in there all, all and, to, uh, yeah all, all to preempt local control to to try to get some more support from the people who used to call themselves the party of local control but as we've talked about in in my goodness countless examples now this this preemption is is going to cost democratic support and probably kirk make it un unlikely that that the bill will pass despite you know what what uh, what you said 83 percent support I mean, Kirk, you don't have the support of 83% of the people you call friends. And yet this issue has that. Man, 
I mean, I just don't, I don't get it. Like, okay, so I own a brew pub for the last, I mean, I'm, I sell beer. Like, I've seen way more violent drunks than I see violent potheads. I mean, these guys come to a bluegrass show. They're the most peaceful dudes ever. Yeah, sure, they don't buy a ton of beer, which is probably why the Tavern League doesn't want people to legalize marijuana. But, but they, I mean, come on. You're not going to get in a car accident because you drive extra slow. You're not going to get in a fight. I mean, geez, Louise, let's just legalize this stuff already. It's not a problem. And most of America recognizes that. Most of our constituents recognize it. Why do we have such a crazy, crazy legislature who just doesn't want to get things done? And, and we should note that Governor Evers did include full legalization in his 2021 budget proposal, uh, but uh, a lot of Republicans, have, as Jonathan has written about, have, have balked at such a proposal. But Jonathan, we really appreciate you sharing uh, some insight on this. We'll continue to follow this and all the other stories you're doing over at Up North News, but we really uh, appreciate you spending some time with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me. All right, well, coming up next, it's Infrastructure Week someplace what it would mean to actually finally have an infrastructure plan in Wisconsin. We'll be back. You are up. North. Welcome back to the cabin. I'm Pat Kreitlow along with Kirk Bangstead. Kristen Bry is off this week and we are in the midst of discussing the benefits of passing a real infrastructure bill and what it would mean up north and throughout Wisconsin and, and other places and in Madison and in Washington, infrastructure is, you know, one of the one of the topics. First, it was about economic stimulus in Washington, and that's what the American Rescue Plan was from the Biden administration. Now the discussion is on the American Jobs Plan, which is infrastructure, something that, uh, you know, Donald Trump said he was going to run on in, in 2016. He kept talking about it. Infrastructure Week became a, a running joke. And honestly, it's still a mystery because that's such a that would have been such a slam dunk for him. Because, again, that's something people support. They want the jobs that come with their roads and bridges and, and schools and broadband and everything. Um, and, and, Kirk, you've been looking into, you know, how a good infrastructure bill would benefit life up north. Yeah. So, so, you know, up north, we're a weird beast up there. Uh, a lot of us went for Bernie uh, because, you know, we weren't so happy with the establishment Democratic Party. And the reason we are, uh, aren't so happy is because we often, we don't see state dollars or federal dollars or almost any dollars kind of wind their way up to northern and rural Wisconsin. So, and when we do see, you know, the Republicans just want to shrink government, you know, so it starves. But unfortunately, when there's not a lot of money to go around, and most of the Democrats are coming from Madison or Milwaukee, that when the pot shrinks because of the Republicans, the, the Democrats from Madison, Milwaukee, just try to get at least try to shore up their own districts. So what that means is that we up north generally don't see much money at all coming our way. And that's why, uh, you know, so that's kind of like the background. So when I thought, when I saw this stimulus package and I saw, you know, Senator, Senator Tammy Baldwin is now in charge of the broadband kind of to rural areas. And, um, you know, now it's like, this is, this is finally stuff that people, people have been running for office. When I ran for office, people have been running for office up North have been talking about this for years, but nothing's getting done. Let's talk about broadband first. So in our neck of the woods, uh, nearly 27% of residents lack access to at, like the right, like what scientists have said is like enough broadband to actually like function with. 
you know, and overall, Wisconsin ranks 30 nationally for broadband access. Pat, what do you think about that? I think that I can't stand <laughs> seeing the commercials about 5G. I'm like, we, we don't we don't have a G <laughs> to, to, to deal with here. These are these are the kinds of investments that are not just, you know, play things. The, this is what's good for commerce. You should not worry about a company in, you know, Nielsville shutting its doors and moving to China. You should worry that a company in Nielsville is going to shut its doors and move to Eau Claire because that's where it can get access. And that while that keeps them in Wisconsin, it does us no good, you know, in, in rural Wisconsin and, and places up north. You know, Kirk, you even look at a place like Nicolay College up north and, and the, the significance of that, uh, as well as other education. But that's one that you wanted to hone in on. Yeah. So, you know, Nicolay College uh, is in Rhinelander. And, um, you know, a lot of people, when they think about infrastructure, don't necessarily think about schools. But, you know, we had a huge issue with schools uh, in uh, up north. You know, A, you need to have broadband in order to do online schooling. Um, and you know, B, you know, there's tons of safety issues with old facilities like asbestos, and you know, you can't have great uh, filtration systems when you've got a virus uh, passing around. So a lot of the Biden plan is saying that we're going to upgrade, you know, like like schools uh, in order to do that. But there's so much more we could do with places like Nicolet College. You know, we're a we're a tourism community. Um, you know, we could potentially be more than a tourism community if we actually had broadband, but we don't. But right now, people still come up to the Northwoods to, uh, you know, to, to stay in cabins, to eat at restaurants, to go fishing. And so what I want to see happen is more of an investment in Nicolay College. Make it an actual destination college as opposed to like a stepping stone for like a four-year UW. You know, let's get an actual like, a, a culinary program in there. Let's get re a restaurant hotel management program at Nicolay College because that's what we got. We got tourism. Right now, it's really underfunded. It's really small. And as a brew pub owner, I was desperate for people that knew how to cook food that were professionally trained. And we couldn't find them. We had to go to UW Stout in order to do that. So a lot of this uh, infrastructure stuff, I think, should, you know, if, if, the, if Wisconsin legislature is not going to do it, let's get some federal dollars and beef up Nicolay College and some of the colleges up in the up in the North Woods. And so really, when you talk about infrastructure, you're talking about two things, jobs now, jobs later. You know, the jobs now go into those upgrades, whether it's roads and bridges, whether it's schools that that have everything from uh, old technology to HVAC systems and roofs, you know, that are, are leaking and falling apart. You have those jobs now. You then create the jobs by churning out, you know, better students by having more uh, commerce come in and use the roads or, or use the, the the broadband, get more products to market, as the case may be. And then you have the savings, you know, the 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 stimulus bill the first time around uh, in in 2007, uh, you know, ha has created so many jobs in the green energy sector uh, that it it just boggles the imagination that we would want to stand in the way of that. Now, there is a fair debate to be held on where you draw that uh, imaginary line that, well, this, this much we don't think we can afford. But if you sell it short, you know, you're, you're selling the future short in the jobs that you're not creating now and the jobs you're not creating later and the money you're not saving later. Now, back to Rhodes for a second. You know, uh, as of February, 
the, the, the Wisconsin Department of Transportation has four major highway studies in progress, uh, 19 projects. That's all just that alone is thousands of jobs and all the economic uh, growth spillover. And over at Up North News, we are going to have a, a story later from uh, from Jonathan Sadowski, whom we heard from earlier. And one of the folks he talked to was Mark Godley who was Scott Walker's transportation secretary, but who resigned because he was upset that Walker was refusing to support increased road spending. And, and Kirk, you remember the billboards about Scott holes. I mean, oh. nothing taking away, nothing from Tony Evers or a whole lot of other things, but I'm telling you, campaigns are run on bread and butter issues. And when people associated potholes with what Scott Walker was not doing to invest in the infrastructure of Wisconsin. I'm convinced Scott Holes is what got him out of there as much as anything else. Yeah, it's like it's like starving government and misinformation is like the that's their bread and butter. And it's it's like you can't starve government to the point where our, our roads turn to dust. And, you know, I always hate driving through Indiana, you know, because you go you, Illinois is decent. Then, you know, then you, and you're trying to get to Ohio, which is decent. Indiana, you're just rocking back and forth. And that's what Wisconsin turned into. And I grew up with, we had great roads here. And so there's a study, this, uh, the American Society of Civil Engineers gave Wisconsin a, a rating of a D plus, like A through F, they gave us a D plus for roads since Walker took office. And now Evers tried to fix that by raising the gas tax um, in this last session, because because we need more money to get fix what's happened to us, and guess what? The Republican legislature didn't even didn't even think about it. Now nobody wants to raise taxes, but geez, Louise, like we can't just be bouncing around on these roads in Wisconsin. We got to get back to you know being proud of our state, you know, especially for the roads category. So we'll continue to to follow that uh, you know as it, as it moves through Congress, but also what. The elected representatives are saying uh, a lot of the things they're saying are predictable, but we're looking for those surprises. We're looking for signs of, of actual recognition of what it would mean to this part of the state. Let's cover a couple of final uh, stories in the time that we have left. First off on the, the vaccine. Um, great progress here. Uh, by the time you hear this, something like 40% uh, of the Wisconsin population will have received one or more doses and more than 25% of the state now is fully vaccinated and that's great but again the the job is is not even half done yet and to reflect the seriousness of it um at least two days in a row this week tuesday and wednesday the department of health services reported more than 900 new coronavirus cases each day something that we hadn't seen in a couple of months uh and still seeing you know anywhere from five to ten deaths a day and the wisconsin hospital association is showing again an increase in the number of inpatients, uh, and we we saw how how bad that could get, Kirk. And so I, you know, again, we we can't possibly say enough the importance of still wearing those masks and, and keeping your distance from folks. We don't want to we don't want to talk about this Supreme Court decision that just said that we don't need to limit capacity in restaurants and bars. We probably don't get enough time for that, do we? I mean, that's well, just no, ridiculous. Well, not that we're now doing live radio where you would swear if we didn't. <laughs> we can't do that anymore <laughs> uh, because Devil Radio was nice enough to give us a broadcast. When, when did when did the Supreme Court and the Republican legislator want to actually kill people? Like when 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 did that decision start? You know, taking place because I, I seemingly that's not quite what you'll get into government to do. Right. And, and that's where, again, uh, you know, Representative Jody Emerson earlier was was chiding uh, Assembly Speaker Robin Voss about, 
you know, what is it that he, does he want to be a doctor? Because we, we know medically what prevents the pandemic from getting worse. And yet you have a, a conservative majority in the state Supreme Court this week throwing out the capacity limits. And now Ann Walsh Bradley, one of the progressive justices, you know, wrote in the dissent about how a pandemic is not the time to go through the complicated uh, rulemaking process. This isn't about uh. rulemaking. This is about making decisions right now because people are dying and we know how to prevent that. Capacity limits is one of those things along with face masks and such. And again, getting vaccinated. So as we turn back to the vaccine, I, I just want to put in, this as my own personal pitch about the Johnson & Johnson uh, you know, setback with the rare instances of blood clotting that are happening. Has happened to six people out of 7 million doses. Okay, that's, that's less than one in a million chance uh, from the Johnson Johnson vaccine, none of those cases in Wisconsin. Compare that to say uh, birth control pills where the risk of blood clots is one in a thousand. And yet you don't see you know, a, a hullabaloo about that. And think about this, if you get COVID, your chances of getting blood clots are about 21% based on studies. If you end up in the ICU, a one in three chance probably that you end up getting blood clots. So getting COVID is a lot worse than the infinitesimally small risk of a complication by getting the vaccine. You know, I mean, come on, you, you get blood clots if you, you know, sit on a long distance flight, you know, going to <laughs> Australia, Costa Rica is the case, maybe smoking, obesity. So yeah. just, just put that in perspective when you're considering, you know, about finally getting in line and getting that shot. Kirk, I didn't even ask you, are you, are you got one done, two done, none done? What? Where are you? I have one done and I'm getting my other one tomorrow. And then, so, uh, I think two weeks from now I should, uh, should be, you know, at 95%, uh, you know, good for not getting the virus. So I'll be, I'll be happy, but you know what? It still feels weird. I mean, I still want to wear my mask. I, I want to, you know, and I think it's worthy to wear your mask and I don't think it's, you know, even if I don't have to wear one in two weeks, I'm still gonna because you just want to be respectful for people and you want to make people safe. And so it still makes sense to wear a mask. All right. Well, let's. We've got time for one more story here, and and this is my favorite one that I've been uh, saving up for the week. Um, Kirk, you watched uh, Roadrunner cartoons as a kid, the Coyote <laughs> and the the Roadrunner. Yeah. Um, we really had an example of that uh, this this week in Madison when Assembly Speaker Robin Voss was basically holding hostage. $50 million a month in federal food share benefits uh, because of the Supreme Court, the state Supreme Court striking down the, you know, the emergency order from Governor Evers. Without that emergency declaration, Wisconsin no longer qualified for tens of millions of dollars in supplemental food aid that struggling families needed. And so Robin Voss was asked about that. And his answer was, well, we, we put a declaration in Assembly Bill 1, but the governor vetoed it. Well, yeah, he vetoed it because it contained all these other poison pills where, again, Robin Voss wanted to run the school board. The Republicans wanted to run the local health departments. It put on all these restrictions on the people who are trying to keep us safe. So he was insisting that uh, the, the Democrats should join to override the veto. Well, instead, what happened was Governor Evers and uh, Health Services Secretary uh, Karen Timberlake basically went to the Biden administration and put out a new declaration that didn't include the face mask uh, requirement. And as a result, 
Wisconsin once again qualifies for the aid without having to go through the rigmarole of Robin Voss's demands. And so all I could think of was Robin Voss's the coyote trying to pull that catapult and having it flip over on him instead of hitting <laughs> Governor Evers as he goes zipping by. Um, let, that's the time we have to be at the cabin. Nice. Uh, Kirk, thanks so much for your time. You guys have a great rest of your week. And uh, Kristen will be here and join us next week here up north. What is it?